We're continuing on in our summer study on the parables, and we're looking at just a couple little parables today with a big message in Matthew 13. So we continue on these many parables in Matthew 13, but looking at verse 44 through 46, just those three verses, Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. You know, there's buried treasure not that far away from where we are right now. Did you know that? There is. In uh, quite a few years ago, in the 30s, there was a kidnapping in St. Paul, Minnesota. Remember, you probably many of you heard of Bremer Banks. Well, the original founders of that, the son, Edward Bremer, was kidnapped by the Carpus Baker gang in 1934. And they held him for $200,000 ransom, which is a lot of money back in 34. Still a lot of money now to, to most of us. But they paid that money for the release. And the Carpus uh, uh, Baker gang, they sent $100,000 to Cuba to be laundered, and they, Ma Barker and her son buried the under, other $100,000 someplace outside of Rochester. So not very far away, someplace they buried $100,000 along some mile marker. You say, well, why didn't they come back for it? Well, within a year, Ma Barker and her son were killed in a gunfight with the FBI as they were doing other criminal activity, and nobody knows where the treasure was buried. No one knows where it's hidden. So to this day, it's never been found. So if you ever have the interest, you know, right around Rochester, start digging. Maybe you find, you know, $100,000 from 1934. But who doesn't like treasure hunts? Going after treasure. When uh, my son was, was young, my wife would make treasure, treasure maps for he and his friends. And they loved doing that. You know, they would start out in the, in the kitchen and they'd go into the family room or down to the basement and up to his bedroom or something and all around and then they'd find the treasure, you know, with some snack or treat or something like that. And they loved doing that. But it's not just kids. Adults like treasure hunts as well. When there's treasure hunts, it wasn't but two years ago when, when uh, a treasure was finally found in, that someone had hid in the Rocky Mountains someplace a million dollars, and people have been searching for it something like 10 years. But corporate America has used treasure hunts as a way to do team building and so forth. Harvard Business School has used it for its incoming classes. And the whole idea is because to find a treasure, to seek after something and find a treasure, oh, wow, that's a big deal when you find that. Well, Jesus knows this part of the human heart. And he's aware of that. And he understands the thrill and the interest that searching and finding a treasure can cause within us. And so Jesus uses it as one of the metaphors to help us learn about the kingdom of God, about Jesus and his teaching in the kingdom of God. As Jesus taught not only his disciples, the people, he would, as we said, often use these parables, stories that would help and give insight into the word of God the kingdom in which Jesus was king, the king Jesus and the promises that God has for he, Jesus, would reign forever. 
He was the anointed one. And that he was the one who was bringing forth the kingdom of God. And it's God visibly reigning powerfully. All the promises that God has in the scripture coming to fruition. The kingdom which the faithful people of God were longing for in Jesus' day. Jesus comes teaching, saying, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Because he began to preach, Matthew 4, repent for your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, both those mean the same thing, is near. Jesus was the one who was bringing the kingdom. And he, in his coming, inaugurated the kingdom. But the kingdom in its consummation, its fullness, doesn't arrive till he returns. And we live in this time where it's now but not yet the kingdom of God. And Jesus wants everyone to be part of his kingdom because that's what we're designed to live into, where God would be king. And Jesus brings the message. In this chapter 13 of of Matthew, there's seven parables talking about the kingdom. We looked at a couple already. And here we're going to look at these ones that I've read for us, these treasure parables. For Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom in the sense of these stories that reveal the king and his kingdom, using these parables of Jesus so that we can find here how we recognize Jesus is the treasure in life. Well, let's consider first evaluating life. Evaluating life. It's really the place to start. We must understand our life, where we're at, what it's about, to understand it in regard and in relationship to the treasure. In other words, we need to be able to ponder, reflect, seriously think about our life and our future and place in life, what skills, resources I have, how I'm living, so that we can understand it in regards to what is the greatest. So to evaluate your life, value your life, make the check mix. If you were to evaluate your life, what would you say about your life? What, do you, what would you say? You know, for insurance purposes, what do they tell us to do? To write down everything we have so if there's a loss, you can account for it. Well, Jesus is telling us here that we need to be those who are able to understand, evaluate our, our lives so we can understand what a treasure is. What are our talents and skills in life? What do you like to do in life? Where are your areas of strength? What resources do you have? How are you using what you have in life? And as we consider these parts, also about the other thing is, what about going forward? What what am I going to do for the, the coming years of my life? What do I have left to do in the time that God gives me? What will my future be? Whether we're young or old. You know, you may be 18 years old, high school graduate with great plans, But you know, your long-term future is the same as those who are 90 with us today. You know, we all have a set, finite period of time on this earth before the Lord calls us home. How are we using what we have? So it's important that we take stock of our life as businesses take inventory from time to time to be sure of what we have and what we can do so that we are people who understand our life what God has given us and what he's calling us to do. So evaluate our lives honestly. And it puts us in a position to understand what Jesus is teaching us here in these verses. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So we have 
this man. You know, it's interesting in this parable. Jesus doesn't give us a lot of details, does he? There's no build-up, you know. He doesn't tell this long, drawn-out story. He gets right to the point. He gets right to the point. In this area of Israel, Palestine, many wars were fought. You know what they didn't have? They didn't have banks like we had. And conquering armies would come and go. So if somebody had some coins, some money, and you didn't know when a marauder would come through, you didn't want it sitting out on the, you know, the kitchen table or you know, just sitting on your dresser in the bedroom. So what did they do with some resource they had? They would bury it where only they knew where it was. That wasn't an uncommon thing in this area of Israel in this time. And likely this is what Jesus is referencing. And what happens here, there was someone who hid it, and a man was coming through, and he actually ended up finding this treasure, not knowing it was there. And so people buried their treasures, and Jesus says this is not some flimsy, you know, choice like cereal box prize this was a real treasure well then he goes on to the second parable this after the buried treasure again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls when he found one of great value he went away sold everything he had and bought it so another parable that's like it here's a merchant whose job was to look for finding pearls of great price it was his business, maybe to make necklaces for the women, to create a unique ring, to, to create a fancy decoration, to outfit those who are rich and famous, maybe even the king. Here the merchant comes, around, comes across the best and greatest pearl of his life. This wasn't an ordinary pearl. This was a pearl of great price, of great value. And the merchant realizes it right away. Remember, he had been searching his entire career for pearls, so he knew when he saw the greatest. But these, both of these people found something out of the ordinary in life. Both of them found something, didn't they? One was maybe taking a shortcut across the field. Maybe he's got his walking stick, and he's out walking, and all of a sudden, kunk, 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 what's this? And he pushes away, pulls it up and goes, whoa, and then buries it again, goes, I got to get this land. I have to get this. Well, the merchant, the other merchant, is a merchant who has spent his career looking for pearls and finally found this one that was better than anything he'd ever seen in his whole life. So what we see is one stumbled upon it by accident, while another, through his hard work, came across it. Though opposite methods they found, the common thread here is upon finding it, they knew that this was the greatest treasure in life. That's the common theme. This man who found the treasure, he's not thinking, well, this is nice, but maybe if I keep walking, you know, in the next month or two, I'll find a better treasure. He didn't think that. Or this man who found the pearl, he didn't think, well, this is nice. No, he found it. He goes, this is the find of a lifetime. Both of them knew this was a true treasure. And how did they know it? Because they understood where they were in their life by considering their lives. This was the highlight. This was the greatest day of their lives. For they understood their life and their possessions. And this was the best they were ever able to find. So they were able to evaluate their lights and realize what, the, what they found was the great treasure. They realized this was the treasure of a lifetime. 
And so it's important that we understand our life, and so we see it in light of the kingdom of God. Because when we do that, then we can see what is truly to be valued, what is a great treasure. And we find the treasure of Jesus. For only as we understand our life and what real treasure is, can we understand the greatest treasure in life is Jesus Christ, his kingdom that he brings. We have to have, be people who have a realistic grasp in our life so we understand when we encounter Jesus that he is the, great, the greatest of all treasures. Evaluating our life. Well then, what do we seek in life? Seeking in life. These two people, they knew who they were and where they were at. They had considered their lives and their newfound treasure. So what did both of them do? Both of them, had, there's a common theme to what they do. They drop everything else to go seek that treasure, whether it was the treasure in the ground or the pearl of great value. And what did they do in their discovery? They find that the value of this treasure was greater than everything else in their life. Jesus sh shares this to make a point with us. What do these two people do? What does the text say they do? It says in the text that what happens? When, uh, when the person saw, when the, the man who was looking for the tre who came across the treasure, when he found it, he hid it again and went and sold all they had and bought the field. Verse 46, when the merchant found the pearl, when he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Both of them sell everything because that was the price they had to pay to find the land or the pearl, the treasure that they were looking for. These two people go after it quickly. There was no hesitation in their efforts. They go sell everything to buy their great treasure because they knew the value of what they had, and they understood the greater value of what they were seeking after. So when that's the case, it makes sense to us. People will do much to go after treasures, won't they? You ever seen these gold rush fo photos from the Alaskan gold rush in the 1900s, around 1900s? Think of that. I think of this when I see this. All these people going up, you know, to find gold in the Alaskan mountains, in the cold, the bitter cold. How many of those people froze to death? You know? I mean, we think it's cold here, but going to the mountains of Alaska with the length of there and where there wasn't anything else. But what people won't do to pursue a treasure, or how about nowadays, what is the treasure people seek today? If the Powerball goes way up, the lines get really long, Right? Because everyone's going, maybe it will be me. Maybe I'll be the one to get the treasure. For the pull of treasure is huge in our human spirit. And this is what Jesus is speaking of. These two individuals who found these treasures, they sold everything they had. They sold everything. They had the garage sale. They went to Facebook Marketplace. They cleared out everything. Because they had to raise the money to buy the land, to buy this pearl. They sold their cars and vehicles. They sold their lands and, and, and homes. They even sold the land that had been in their family for generations. They sold their furniture, kitchen stuff, jewels and art. art. They cashed in their retirement accounts, their savings, the boat, the RV, the fishing stuff. They even sold their golf clubs. That's how important. Even their, their mountain bike, can you believe it? The clothes that weren't on their back, their music collection, the book, the chair, the computer, tablets, even their smartphone, they sold it all. 
so that they would have enough to buy which was greater for them. This is what Jesus is trying to help us see, to see what the contrast is between what we're at now, what we have, and his kingdom, which is far greater, which is the great treasure in life. For in our world, people seek after many things. Some seek wealth. Others seek to make a name for themselves. Some seek security and pleasure, experiences, comfort, peace. But do we seek Jesus above all these things? That's an important question for us. Jesus looked at him. A man came to him and loved him. One thing he lacked, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus' encounter with this man. The man says, no, the things of this world are too important. I'd rather have them than follow Jesus. And he went away and lost what is a greater treasure. Do we seek Jesus above all things? Do we seek Jesus greater than the things of this world, which are good and for our blessing, but they're never to be the place of God in our life, the place of what's most important? Jesus is above all, these, above all things in our life. I think of a story I heard a number of years ago about Zachariah. He was a Sudanese pastor. And in Sudanese, the South Sudan, over the years, they've had horrible conflicts where the, the Muslims in the north have attacked and brutalized many in the south, especially churches and Christians. And many Sudanese pastors have been killed because of their stance for the gospel. Well, Zechariah was a pastor, and he was caught and tortured. Soldiers bound his hands and tied him to the back of a tank and dragged him through the streets, left him for dead. But other believers found him and nursed him back to life. And Zechariah was, was harmed in that, where he had limited use of his hands. He couldn't raise his arms anymore. But that didn't stop him. He kept preaching the message of the kingdom. And these are his words. He says, if I lift my withered hands, let them be used to lead people to Jesus Christ. Why did Zachariah continue to serve God after all this? Because he found the great treasure buried in the field. He found that pearl of great price. And it's none other than Jesus Christ. And he says, it's more than the physical life I live. And so even with his beaten, brutaled, beaten stage, he's serving Jesus Christ. For he has searched and found what is most important in life, the treasure of Jesus Christ. As we evaluate, we seek, what do we find? What do we find in life? Both of these men given in this parable were able to purchase their treasure and obtain what was most valuable to them in life. They found the treasure, the treasure in the field, the pearl of great value. Now they own the great the great treasure, that which they maybe never expected to find, but they did. How is this described by Jesus? How is this described? When a man found it, he hid it again, and then what? In his joy, he went and sold all he had. In his joy. It wasn't hesitantly like, well, uh, I don't know. It's kind of close. Should I do this? Should I not? I don't know. No, he saw the treasure and said, this is far greater than everything else. And in his joy at his discovery, he sold everything to obtain the treasure which was far greater. This isn't a sadness of heart to put everything else out. 
its wonderful joy by what he had obtained, to hold in his possession the greatest find in life, whether by good fortune, accident, or great effort. The treasure now is theirs, and because of that, they're filled with joy. The kingdom of heaven is like this. When we know Jesus, when we become followers of him by faith, we become children of the kingdom, and we are filled with joy because this is what God made us for. This is what God has for you and me through faith in Jesus Christ. It is to be at the center of our living, and everything else doesn't compare to it. What do we give to Jesus, the great treasure for his kingdom, to live and know him? Do we surrender to Jesus a bit? Well, okay, I'll put this in the camp of giving up for Jesus or have Jesus over it, or most things, or is it everything? Isn't it a stark contrast in these parables that Jesus describes how they sold everything? So there's nothing in the world that they're hanging on to outside of this treasure because the treasure is so great. And remember, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. These are parables about the kingdom of heaven. There's no earthly treasure that's that valuable, but there is something in eternity that is the kingdom of God, eternal life in Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants his followers, wants us, wants everyone to hear this and understand and realize that the treasure of Jesus Christ, of relationship with him now and forever, is greater than anything else in life. And it brings joy because we know it's that. There's no sadness of heart. There's wonderful joy because of what we've attained. It's the best we could ever hope for. There is nothing else But in it, it's also saying to us that nothing short of complete surrender will obtain the kingdom of God. We can't be followers of Jesus say, well, I'm going to hold on to this stuff for living the day for me, and then I'll give Jesus some stuff on Sunday in my life. No, we surrender everything with open hands saying, Lord, God's not asking us typically to sell everything, to give everything away, but he's asking us to surrender everything to him to make him Lord over all things in life so that what he says, where he directs us, we should go. That's what he's trying to help us understand, wants us to consider. Whether we have little or much, the kingdom is of far greater value. In fact, the kingdom of God is worth more than the $200 billion that Elon Musk has in the ownership of Tesla. That's peanuts compared to the kingdom of God. Because this not only is of infinite value, it will last forever. forever. And Jesus wants to be, to be those who understand and accept what he's teaching us. That we need to be those who offer it all to God. To surrender our lives and everything to him. And realize that rather than having lost this, we gain something which is far greater for our eternity. We have gained everything when we surrendered to Jesus. We've gained everything. We've gained eternal life. We've gained joy in knowing him and that our purpose, what God designed and created us to do, we're fulfilled in him. Joy not because life always is easy, but because we're following God in the way he created us to go. What does Jesus say 
fixing her eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him. It wasn't joyful from the sense of that suffering, shedding your blood, dying on the cross, but the joy set before him was by doing this, you're faithful to God and you're bringing redemption and salvation to all who receive it. There's great joy in that. Jesus is our example of enduring the cross, but doing it with joy because of what it is accomplishing. This is that gospel, that good news of the kingdom, saving, forgiving, redeeming us who put our faith in him. Jesus embraced it and calls us to. You and me, are we living for Jesus completely and totally? For we are to be those who give it all for the kingdom, surrender all so the kingdom of God fills our hearts and our minds. What, when we evaluate our life, what do we find? What are we seeking in life? And we have we found Jesus Christ, the eternal one, our God forever. This is his kingdom. It is, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure found in the field, a pearl of great price. And those who found it gave everything, surrendered everything for the joy that they found in the kingdom. Do you know that joy? Do you live that life of surrendering all to God, living for his kingdom and the joy that comes with it? This is what God has called us to so that we have the pearl of great price, we have the treasure found in the field, that is Jesus, our God, forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for these stories, simple and yet profound, that speak to us of eternal truths, of your eternal kingdom. Lord, may we be those who are more than willing to surrender it all, Lord, to receive by faith, by your grace, that eternal life in your kingdom. So Lord, may we live it today and every day until you call us home, we pray through Jesus' name, amen.